Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Struggle Session. I'm Leslie III. I'm Jack Allison. And today we are talking about something, you know, that I think is fairly timely right now. Because if you're like Jack or I, you're being told that the most important thing Perhaps the only important thing you could possibly do to help marginalized people, especially black people, is to vote for Joseph Biden um, mm -hmm. for president. Now, from what I understand, after he got an endorsement from both Bernie Sanders and Barack Obama today, that, you know, the election of uh, Joseph Robinette Biden will lead to the immediate um emancipation of all black people in america is that what you've been hearing jack as well <laughs> yeah that's that's kind of what it seems like you know it seems like everybody is on board and so like uh let's uh let's just do it everybody you know all the endorsements are in so so i guess uh it's the only thing i need to do is cast my vote that's the only that's the only thing that you know i i it's the only thing I can do, and it's the only thing I'm required to do. So good, all good. I can check out. <laughs> but before we, you know, rush off and think that all we have to do is cast that vote, get the right the president with the right letter next to your name, and that's <laughs> going to immediately solve all the problems of black people. Um, there was a book that uh, was rec recommended to me by our uh, political correspondent Katie Halper, and that's Prejudicial. Uh, Black America and the Presence by Margaret Kimberly, who I have been a fan of for a very uh, long time. And we've actually talked a little bit about her work on the show because she's written for Black Agenda Report, which we, mm. as we all know, was uh, marked as a f foreign agency of, Ru of uh, <laughs> Russian <laughs> power. So uh, Margaret will po possibly the fifth or sixth um accused Putin agent uh, that we hosted <laughs> on wow. our show so far is very exciting for us. Uh, but our special guest, I'm a big fan of her work and her book. I just got finished with it. It is absolutely wonderful. If you are interested in history and black politics, you have to get this book is such an easy read with so much great information that's been forgotten uh, deliberately. Margaret Kimberly, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. And Margaret, first thing I want to ask you, I'm sure it's the first thing uh, you get asked on most of these shows. Um, why do you hate America? Because <laughs> this book is so negative about not just our founding fathers, but like their sons and their failed sons and basically every single president. You go president by president. There are 45 chapters for 45 yeah. presidencies yeah. and go through and explain. You exactly. systematically cancel every single president. <laughs> you cancel every president in order. That's my job. And just on stuff involving black people, right? right. Just That's on true. that front. Yeah. There's so That's much true. more. There's so much more you can go into <laughs> even. But yeah. Um, as far as, you know, hating America, there's so much material. I, um, <laughs> like, how can you not? But it's, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting uh, uh, going uh, back to George Washington and seeing the depths of, uh, of real depravity. Mm -hmm. um, uh, in this country that's directed towards Black people. Uh, as a settler colonial state, um, the U.S. is uh, foundationally anti-Black. Uh, you can't have a, a country that began with uh, two terrible genocides, first against the 
and they happen concurrently actually, um, first against the indigenous population, uh, the murder, the land theft, the smallpox blankets, uh, the, the scalps, lest we forget. Um, mm-hmm. British uh, began uh, paying for scalps and then um, uh, chattel slavery and mm-hmm. uh, the importation of um, hundreds of thousands of people, uh, totaling four million when the Civil War started, who um, lived as property. And uh, the, the nation began uh, defending that institution. We have an electoral college to give the slave states more uh, political weight. Uh, the, the, um, the nation's capital itself, uh, mm-hmm. they built a new city. Why did they put it between yeah. Maryland and Virginia? Well, they wanted to make sure it was literally protected, that slavery yeah. was a fortified protected. slave state, basically. They they put yes. the uh, uh, capital in a swamp so that it would be nice and fortified for them to uh, uh, do their slavery nice and legally over there. Yeah, yeah. And 10 of the first 12 presidents were slaveholders. Mm-hmm. Those who were not uh, upheld the system in a, any number of ways. Uh, you know, it, even the presidents that we're told were uh, better in some way, if you when you dig a little bit, you find out they weren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Adams was uh, bragged about not being a slaveholder and he was from Massachusetts and whatever, but he hated the idea of black people right. being free and is one of those who wanted to send black people out of the country. Abraham Lincoln wanted to send black people out of the country. Actually, they did experiment and send a small group to an island off the coast right. of Haiti. Such an interesting point you made in the book was that mm-hmm. they did that experiment right as he signed the Emancipation Proclamation, like that these were like done concurrently, like you almost, yes. and, and history has forgotten that these were done concurrently in a way to like really, you know, uh, uh, like like how it continues in modern politics, like to kind of like play both sides. Like it, that's the modern position to try to, uh, uh, you know, get uh, uh, black people out of the United States while also freeing them from slavery. Yes. Yeah. We're going to free you and then get the hell out. Um, <laughs> but, the, you know, but it's a it's a I, I realized as I was re- researching in uh, the book, the degree to which we're lied to uh, mm-hmm. these historians and biographers and scholars, they either tell outright lies mm-hmm. or you know, omissions are lies. And I think that's something that uh, we really need to acknowledge. Uh, if you don't tell people that as late as a week before he was assassinated, Lincoln was talking about sending black people out of the country, then you've mm-hmm. told a lie. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so this um, this history, this pattern of uh, uh, having a system that has as one of its foundations keeping black people under control, physical, literal control. Mm-hmm. So it goes through Reconstruction, which was too brief, uh, and there was a reaction, violent reaction against it. Then the struggle um, uh, for decades before we get to the civil rights movement. And and even then, you know, the uh, some of the presidents we were told are quote unquote good for black people. Let's lest we forget the Democratic Party was the party of the segregated South. Right. So FDR would say, I can't uh, pass an anti lynching bill. I need the help of the Southerners. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, even Kennedy, he was not. Um, uh, they his brother especially Bobby Kennedy hated the March on Washington. He hated the Freedom Riders. He did everything to uh, disassociate uh, his brother 
from uh, the movement and, and Johnson, who's given all this credit and okay, he mm. did, he did shepherd through the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act, but that's because there was a movement. And that, that's the thing, right. uh, you touched on that, being, being told that voting is the only thing we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, the things that we have gotten, we have achieved through mass action, it's the mm-hmm. people making demands that moves politicians. And uh, this election or any election, we have to see them in an adversarial light. They will do uh, the right thing if we make them do the right thing. And if Mm -hmm. we're passive, as uh, unfortunately Black politics uh, in uh, recent years has been, just to sit back and see who we think is more likely to beat the Republican, has, uh, I think, ironically led to one of the things that led to Trump being president in the first place. Mm -hmm. Even though you take each president one by one, you can read the chapters in any order. There are several through lines, historical Mm -hmm. through lines that you clearly identify that, you know, we talked about on this show before. And I think I wish more people were, you know, aware of just the the, from, you know, when you're starting with the first slaveholders all the way down to the civil rights movement, there's a long history of whichever party, whether it's Democratic or Republicans, that's considered the pro-black party or the party that black people should support. They will promise us so many things and then actively work against us, going from even like abolitionist, you know, mm-hmm. presidents to, you know, our uh, Lyndon B. Johnson. There was a, there's these constant broken promises. And then the, when we complain about it, they, they say, what are you going to do? Vote for the other guy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. We've got nowhere to go as they love to brag, even as they, um, it's so, so cynical now, the, uh, especially in 2016, to explain away Hillary Clinton's debacle. Um, uh, people were, a- actually, they used other people. It was the Green Party. It was mm-hmm. leftists. It was, uh, they didn't blame people who stayed at home and didn't no. vote at all. It's the same effect, actually, if you didn't vote for <laughs> Hillary yeah. Clinton. I guess you can be blamed right. for it. But, uh, yeah, we have a system that is, um, the duopoly uh, is very undemocratic. And it... Uh, it suppresses the uh, popular will. Uh, you have um, a, a system where there are only two major parties. It's very hostile to third pa- parties. Uh, so uh, it, is, it is true that any other party is a spoiler. But my argument is get rid of the two parties. Get rid of the one. <laughs> yeah. Actually, most important to get rid of the Democratic Party. That's and right. And replace it with absolutely. a real people's party, That's a real right. peace, That's... real labor party. That's absolutely um, right. But so we end up with this system that negates what people want if we continue, if we accept this is the only possible world. And my argument is that we must uh, say that it is not the only possible world. Right. And it's a world that has done us a lot of uh, harm, this lesser evilism. We end up with someone like absolutely. Bill Clinton who I'm embarrassed to admit I voted for him twice. I mean, when you think of what he did, the right. he's the one who exacerbated mass incarceration, whose welfare, quote-unquote, reform made poor people poorer. Um, I mean, it was terrible, the things that, uh, that he did. Uh, Obama bailed out the banks but didn't bail out the people. Black people lost what little wealth they had. 
But um, uh, these Republicans, and, and now with Trump, it's even worse, this um, uh, pressure to not ask, to not say, to not question, to not demand, right. and to be happy with the crumbs of you know, right. a Democrat appointing better Supreme Court justices. <laughs> but that's it. But that's all. Well, when 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 all you have to do is not be Trump, it is like it's a lower bar to pass. And, you know, I think mm -hmm. for sort of like, you know, uh, uh, to be most charitable, it's just, you know, lazy politics to be least charitable. They're actively, you know, uh, uh, blocking uh, uh, progress. What I thought was so interesting about your book. Uh, uh, reading it in order, as Leslie mentioned, it's it's very nice. Uh, uh, it's very briskly written, by the way, and I think that that it's like it's, very, it's I really appreciate reading a history book that's brisk, uh, yeah. uh, but also so sort of like. <laughs> Uh, uh, expansive. Uh, but when you read it in order, you know, this this really sort of, you know, and I think you're kind of getting at this, like, plays at, you know, it's really a chronicling uh, uh, of of what of 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 moderation in the United yeah. States and what moderation looks like in the United States. And it's so interesting, you know, to read it because people are so, you know, they're so acclimated to you know what is inhuman about moderation uh, uh in in modern days but when you read about moderation in like the 1700s it's so horrendous and inhuman you know what i mean like it's 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 really nice to like it's real it's a really useful text in like you know showing what this what this sort of basic instinct to, to moderation looks like across you know all the eras of America. Yeah, what the human cost was because it would be yeah. very easy to look yeah, as people always do you know from the days of slavery to a black prison. My God, that's progress, right? Like isn't right. that <laughs> it, obviously progress? But when you actually look. You know, as you do in your work, month to month, year to year, president mm -hmm. to president, what actually is happening for, you know, regular black folk on the ground is that they're being enslaved, they're being lynched, and they're not getting any help. Now, eventually, if you take a very long view, hundreds and hundreds of years, right. their grandchildren, you know, get great, great, great grandchildren uh, get to vote for a black man who drone strikes, you know, 13 <laughs> countries. Um, but it, but what you, you're book do and it reminds me a lot of Howard Zinn's book People's History of the United mm -hmm. States of just highlighting what it is to be a regular person it living in these times a regular black person in these times mm -hmm. in the shadow of these great men of history yeah yeah it's um you know it's a funny thing uh moderation what did moderation say moderation said well well we can't end slavery we'll just stop the spread of slavery so that was moderation <laughs> yeah. right um uh, moderation was um, separate but equal. Mm -hmm. All of these things, the big changes that come are always come from radical demand and radical action. Uh, slavery ended because of a war. It wasn't anything moderate. It yes. was people right. dying over a period of four years. Um, it was, uh, you know, everyone now wants to brag about the civil rights movement and all these horrible politicians show up the to walk across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in <laughs> yeah. uh, Selma, a bunch of hypocrites, they shouldn't be allowed, but, but at any <laughs> rate. But nobody talks about that struggle and the fact that people, people say it now is a way to uh, co-opt you and intimidate you. People died so you could vote, which is a way of, to shut you up um, yeah. and to tell you to go along. Instead of telling you, instead of making the real point, 
that uh, people risked a lot and went against the grain, uh, went against uh, uh, the wishes of even, you know, when Martin Luther King, when he broke with Lyndon Johnson and openly opposed the war in Vietnam, everyone was mad at him. Uh, some people in uh, the SCLC were mad at him. His father didn't agree with him. White liberals were, if you look at what the New York Times and Washington Post said about him, um, it was horrible. But, um, you know, the moderate thing would have been to go along to say, well, Johnson's our friend. He did this. He did that. I can't oppose the war in Vietnam. But uh, the things that we, uh, the good things that we have now mm -hmm. always come about when people are immoderate and speak up and speak out and take mm -hmm. action. So you, you mentioned going across the, uh, against the grain, and that makes me want to bring up one of the villains of this book that I didn't necessarily expect. Now, I want to be clear, there are 45 top-tier, <laughs> S-tier, Sephiroth in this third-stage <laughs> villains in this book, okay? So this person I'm mentioning is not as bad as any of them, but he does make several appearances, and that's Booker T. Washington. Tell my uh -huh. audience who only know <laughs> about Booker T. Washington from seeing him on the bulletin board during Black History Month, um, <laughs> what he did and who he was and why he was so bad. Well, he was uh, born into slavery. He was a kid when uh, at the end of the Civil War. Uh, he did found uh, the Tuskegee Institute in Alabama. He was an educator. But he gained most of his renown uh, by cutting a deal uh, with white people, his famous Atlanta Compromise speech, in which he said uh, Black people would trade um, uh, the fight against the terrible injustices. The days when lynch law ruled, Black people would not uh, fight against that, would not fight against segregation in exchange for um, uh, some, well, patronage is what he ended up doing. Uh, so if black people could get jobs, then we didn't need uh, social mm. equality was the term of the time. And, uh, but he became the king of black patronage and any black person who wanted a job, uh, a rec recommendation, anything had to go through Booker T. Washington. He was the go-to black person uh, during those years. And, um, uh, but he... It was it was terrible though to to say that the days of of lynch law could be undone by a, you know mm -hmm. his friends getting good jobs, <laughs> uh, but that's that's who he was, and uh, he um, there's a, a funny story about him uh, going to the White House. Theodore Roosevelt, who was a terrible racist man, mm -hmm. but you know he was an old money noblesse oblige kind of guy. He invites Booker T. Washington for dinner, and there was a firestorm of protest from Southern segregationists. And um, neither man was really pre prepared for uh, for that reaction. It was the original Kanye-Trump meeting. Really. <laughs> <laughs> no mega right. hat though. But, um, uh, and black people at the time, those who opposed him pointed out quite correctly. It's like, well, why are you telling us we shouldn't complain uh, about segregation and we shouldn't want social equality. And the first thing you did was uh, snap up an invitation to go, you know, have dinner with uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Right. But that is the that is what he uh, what he is known for. He was an accommodationist, and he deliberately and consciously accommodated um, 
uh, the white power structure of the time to give favors to certain black people. That is the story of Booker T. Washington. And you mentioned um, later on when you're getting closer to our modern presidents uh, briefly about how the rise of the black politician was the death of black politics in in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And I, it was really fascinating because I, I hadn't really thought, I, even though I know it's instinctively because I grew up during this time and the rise of black politicians that Condoleezza Rice and Colin Powell being in the George W. Bush White House probably led to Barack Obama more than almost anything else because they were always on TV prominently, mm-hmm. you know, in the security, national security state, you know, with uh, acting, you know, using the military arm of the presidency of the executive mm-hmm. and how seeing them do that made it you know, inevitable mm. that we didn't even need to, you know, have a black Republican be the first black president. We could have a black Democrat who bombed a lot uh, be the first black president. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it, it goes back to the days of Jim Crow, this um, this urge to uh, celebrate the black face in a high place. And mm. it's very deeply ingrained in us. And it it can be harmless. I mean, it's OK to want the black person to win an Oscar or the a uh, black quarterback to win the Super Bowl, that's fine. But when you're talking about life and death issues, uh, we should be more discerning. But what happened with, and it started with them, you know, black people were always more, the most left-wing group, the group less least likely to say America ought to go to war, more skeptical of uh, America's intentions. But then you have this black man, he's general, He's the Secretary of State. He's this. He's that. Um, and uh, and then it's it started. I started to see it. People would excuse who opposed the war in Iraq, for example, when he was in the Joint Chiefs, uh, um, and uh, they would say, "Well, you know, he has to do it. Well, you know, that's right. his job. Well, you know, what do you expect from him?" Uh, obviously, putting the fact that he had this position above every other concern. And so obviously when Barack Obama ran for the presidency and black people gravitated to him when they realized that white people would vote for him, meaning he could actually win, we saw the same thing, except it was worse. We were talking about the president of the United States and things we used to defend, we didn't defend. And things we used to condemn, we stopped condemning. Uh, And of Mm. course, so much of the opposition to him was in fact racist. So that made it uh, all the more tempting uh, with people like Mitch McConnell opposing him, but uh, we ended up with nothing. We ended up nothing with nothing but a feeling of pride to see him and Michelle Obama uh, at state dinners. That was all it amounted to. And uh, the uh, what we saw that started with Bill Clinton, with the Democratic Party becoming the party of corporate interest, that continued uh, under his administration. So we were quite literally worse off after he was in the White House. And our politics, uh, which is not the same as having politicians, um, are, uh, is on life support. So I want to ask you about the presence, you know, because you did a ton of wonderful research, have so much information in there. Who amongst these most almost universally horrible uh, presidents, especially when it comes to black people, who could you say is the least racist? Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Probably somebody 
minor who was only in office a few months, somebody who died a couple months ago, <laughs> somebody who didn't get the chance to do uh, that much damage. I I don't know. It's 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 hard to uh, to answer because when you dig, you when and if you're talking about black people in the presidents, there's you don't see anything good. Uh, yeah. When you do see something good, it's because of us. It's because of what we did. And uh, so I, I, it's hard for me to answer the question. I, you know, I guess Gerald Ford, he was only in office a couple of years, didn't get elected. So I'll pick him just because he was around the first <laughs> amount of time. He had the least amount of time to do any uh, damage. Yeah. But I'm, the le- I'm the least, the least amount of time for someone who didn't, like, die of a cough. Uh, yes. Uh... <laughs> um, most race now who's the most racist who's the, who is the worst president for black people you know a lot uh, of people and, would just be like trump immediately of yeah, course yeah. Uh, well i mean just going back at the worst is andrew jackson yeah uh he is the one who uh practiced genocide first mm-hmm. against the native americans in the south to clear that land for the plantation economy uh which led to the second horrible genocide uh, the growth of chattel slavery uh he's the worst in my uh, opinion, he embodies all of the horrible things that ever happened in American history. As for Trump, he's not the first racist president. He's not right. the first one to uh, make racism part of his appeal. If you look at Ronald Reagan, in the modern era, I would say Reagan is the worst. Yeah. Uh, Reagan used racism. He talked about the welfare queen and the yeah. Strapping young buck who used uh, food stamps and uh, um, uh, all all of those things. Talking about states' rights in in Mississippi, yeah, all of those things were bad. But he's the one who destroyed uh, government. Government as a tool mm-hmm. uh, uh, that people have come to depend on. Now we now have this threadbare safety net. Uh, thanks to what he began. And Democrats followed, as I said, with Bill Clinton. What did he say there? A big government was over. And uh, this welfare reform, you know, that for 60 years, from the time of FDR, uh, people, Americans had a right to request public assistance. And all that went out the window. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people have been uh, uh, living in horrible poverty Uh, ever since that time. And they're ignored. Nobody talks about it. Nobody runs for office talking about helping uh, people out of poverty. And we see it now with this COVID-19 pandemic and millions of people out of work and a system where people can't even apply for their unemployment. I mean, what a horrible system, Uh, you know, where uh, the system is overwhelmed. People can't apply for their unemployment. And uh, so I'm, I'm hoping that we stop talking about America as this advanced country um it isn't it's a failed state with a big army and uh <laughs> and that was true that started before donald trump yeah, yeah. um so what you know because a, a lot of what the work you do in this book is that you f- are filling in the gaps that historians and and is not not just you know textbook makers in texas it's like historians writ large have kind of erased uh a lot of the evil stuff that our presidents have done who is the most surprising for you to discover was, you know, absolutely awful for black people? Like who who gets the most credit for, you know, being good, who is actually absolutely terrible? I, I mean, I think it has to be Lincoln. He, um, he was trying to maintain slavery, actually. 
Uh, it was only this intransigence of the Confederates that, uh, and the fact that the enslaved rose up themselves um, that forced him to make the Civil War. Yeah, that story about, uh, you know, the slaves, you know, coming to the Union mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. D- demanding to be you know, allowed in and to be given their rights. Like that story is never like mentioned when they're talking about the how the Civil War started and the great heroic, you know, Lincoln, who, you know, single handedly yeah. with clear vision <laughs> decided that slavery must end. Well, when right. the, you know, the first people who used the Union Army to escape, Lincoln's policy was to return them to their uh, slaveholders. Uh, it was a Union general who stopped that, and, and the escaped people were called contraband of war. Many of them eventually became Union soldiers, but he, uh, he always maintained that Black people should leave the country. He said that uh, publicly. He said that in a group of... Uh, they were called the Intelligent Colored Men, a group of the leadership of the time. And he told them, he says, well, we're at war because of you. If you weren't in this country, uh, there wouldn't be a war. So he wanted a white Jeez. nation. And uh, he was willing to compensate the South, who had wrought this terrible destruction for to millions of dollars mm-hmm. and to let them uh, continue slavery, have a gradual ending of slavery until the year 1900. So uh, I, I think he is the one that um, creates the most confusion. There's so much miseducation about Lincoln. He's one of the most, I think he's the the person written about more. I think there are more Lincoln biographies than of anybody else or something along those lines. But he was, he was terrible. Yeah, what gets lost, I think, in, you know, even the discussion of our history about the Civil War and everything like that is what the actual, you know, counter argument from politicians uh, uh, was to the slavery argument. The moderate position was Lincoln's, which was this weird repatriation idea of kicking everybody out of country out of the country, which uh, on its face is racist and also could never work as just another horrible crime to inflict on people. Really, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it, that really gets lost. And I think intentionally you know in our uh, uh teaching of american history like i feel like it gets put forward as like there was the no slavery and the slavery contingent when in reality there you know uh, uh there was a moderate position that we conveniently like to forget yes and so we have to yeah moderation is 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 the last thing we need we need a death to moderation mm-hmm. and uh, all of the um we've had made the most progress when people have uh, done away with being moderate, and mm-hmm. that's desperately what we need now. And this, uh, especially this year, when we're being in t- already, I mean, Biden's been the presumptive nominee for like a week, and Ugh. already we're being beaten over the head with the need to get him elected. And and I say the Democratic Party establishment is responsible to get him elected. They made the yeah. case he's more elected, that, electable. Why are you yeah. coming to me? Why are you coming to the left? You don't. What do you need us for? That's you said he's right. the guy. So they, their point, done. their point has been that they want to pull all the moderate Republicans and never Trumpers right. who are so turned off by Trump's uncouthness. And so I'm like, you know, you all think that you're smarter than me. All the people at the Democratic establishment, they all are like, we know better than you, and we're gonna go do this thing. And I'm like, go have at it. I have nothing to do with it. Fucking leave me alone. I'm not part <laughs> of the electoral strategy. <laughs> Unless, well, you're 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 gonna be used if if he loses. If Biden, uh, of loses. course, of course, of and course. And then, of I, course, I, they'll talk about how horribly those of us who you know didn't uh, run out and vote for him and tell everybody we need to vote for him. Just leave me alone until the blame time comes. 
problems. That's really what I ask. Honestly, it's like, just leave me alone. We know what it's going to get to. I don't want to hear it right now. <laughs> yeah, let's just get to November 3rd or I don't know what the day after election day is. I really would. I would like to fast forward to that date. It's like, let's just, just put me out of my misery. Please. And, can we uh, just get it done already? <laughs> So that yeah, that's where we are. That's yeah. that's moderation. It's moderation that put him in office in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, Hillary Clinton, who is a uniquely bad politician, she had a very simple task. It's so she had one job to do. They set her up to be president. <laughs> you're going to be Secretary of State. You'll look presidential. People will get used to being you being president. Then you're going to raise money and you're going to be the next president. Right. But she, you know, she's involved in her husband's, you know slush fund slash foundation and then she yeah. has to hide her emails and yeah. then she acts like she's president already she's given speeches <laughs> to goldman sachs and and encourages trump lest we forget because I they know. said he was so easy to beat the pied piper strategy the pied yes. they all were such smarties the same smarties now that are saying that uh biden is so electable actually yeah I yeah think about so it. <laughs> uh, I, are they going to use russia again i think I, I i don't know i guess they can keep Putin is the gift that keeps on giving. I guess so. <laughs> now it's China. They're going to blame China too. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Margaret, I mentioned, you know, your book is full of villains, but there are a couple of heroes that, you know, almost never uh, get mentioned and you, that uh, pop up uh, briefly in your book because your b- book is focused on the presidents and presidential power. So you're not trying to give a running history of black activists, only the few who ever got. Uh, up uh, in the stratosphere and cause some trouble. And you mentioned uh, Paul Robeson and A. Philip mm-hmm. Randolph, uh, two uh, black socialists who, you know, were able to, you know, kind of get up to the cl- high and cause some trouble uh, for these racist presidents. Yeah, that's what, uh, that's how we get stuff. Yeah, A. Philip Randolph was a <laughs> labor leader of uh, the uh, uh, Union of Sleeping Car Porters. And, uh, in order to push Roosevelt, who, as usual, was dragging his feet about um, uh, this was at the time the war had started and black people, of course, were being kept out of uh, jobs in the defense industry. And um, uh, A. Philip Randolph threatened a march on Washington. And as a result of that, uh, um, Roosevelt did pass some, it was kind of tepid, but it, I mean, it helped someone. It was more than he'd done before. And he, um, but he would not have done it without uh, the pressure uh, that from A. Philip Randolph and people like him. And uh, Paul Robeson, who's just a badass, um, you know, he's known <laughs> as an actor and an activist, and uh, he suffered from it, uh, for it. But he um, confronted um, Truman at a White House meeting. Uh, there was a group, the, um, ah, it's so embarrassing. Sorry, I can't remember, but the Coalition Against Lynching. I'm, I'm messing up the mm. name, though. And there had been a terrible lynching in Georgia. Two black couples had been uh, murdered. And um, they, this group managed to get a meeting with Harry Truman. And uh, Truman was like, well, I'll think about it. I'll see what I can do. And, and uh, Robeson didn't back down. Uh, he demanded that he do something. Uh, during the meeting, um, Truman talked about our British allies and Robeson said, no, they're imperialist dogs. They've killed millions of people. Bah, he he, just, so he cool. did not play when he was um, <laughs> before the uh, the HUAC committee. Uh, uh, he refused to say whether he was a communist or not, but he was a leftist. He always was. And he um, stood up uh, to uh, to Truman personally and stood up to the system. Of course, they 
got back at him by taking his passport, making it impossible for him to mm. work for many years. He suffered a lot in his, the later years of his life. But um, uh, Truman all, actually did get the message in 1948. He was uh, seen as a caretaker after FDR. He was not expected to win, but he realized he needed to uh, do something to get black votes. He dis desegregated the military and he did eke out a, a razor thin victory in uh, 1948. And we've seen the picture of him holding up the newspaper that said Dewey right. wins when in fact he had won. But uh, he won because he made an effort to get uh, to get black votes. I just have to say again, your book is so phenomenal. I actually did the audiobook version, and you you read it yourself, and it's an excellent, excellent uh, reading. So please, uh, people, check it out. Use your Audible credit if you want to, but it's also available. Yes. <laughs> uh, and where where can people find your book? Uh, you can find well since everything's shut down now. Uh, you can get it from directly from the publisher Steerforth Press. That's steerforthpress.com. Uh, if you don't have issues with Amazon, you can also get it from Amazon. It, uh, it's a paperback, an audio book, and a Kindle edition as well. It is in libraries. It's uh, very pleased. It's at the New York Public Library system. And when bookstores open again, if, if your bookstore doesn't have it, you can ask them to order it. They'll always do that for you. Margaret, thank you so much uh, for coming on. We would love to have you on again. I, yeah. I've been following your work for years, and this book is just really uh, wonderful. I hope people check it out. Thank you both. Thank you very much. Yeah, good talking. All right, folks, that was Struggle Session. Have a good one. I'm feeling like a black Republican. Nah, I can't call it. More like a black Democrat running them out of office. Get out. Young Barack Obama, I'm all for it. The rock of Gibraltar is now falling on ya. I protect my land like a farmer. Pockets stay chubby like Takara. Yeah. Huh. Or should I say fat like the Parkers? Took big guns like I'm still playing Contra. <laughs> Y'all washed up like money that's laundered. Yeah. Y'all funny, I'm bonkers. Honest. Girl strapped to my dick like a harness. Rockstar fly it in an ostrich. <laughs> and I cover east, west, north, south like a compass. I shall shine forever, never tarnish. Never. Money buried behind my house like a garden. What? All green, my bank accounts like a forest. I can't feel my face is getting started. Yeah. And Wheezy is my Accomplice, you dig a black activist like Sonny Carson, stripes of a sergeant. Salute me and chicks, I get them high, higher than turbulences. White phantom looking so fergalicious. I'm from the city of big drugs and murder victims. It's get rich, go to jail, or be a murder victim. I now all y'all listen, if you can't take the heat, get out the kitchen. I feel like a black Republican told a Mac and a Republican act so Southern died for my brother and money. Money, money like money, Mac and publishing. One life to live, never ask for a mulligan. Streets cold, but the heat make me feel covenant. Been here, cake day late like Ed Sullivan. Fly like an eagle, but no, I'm not Donovan. Boy, you better go eat some soup with your mom and them. And my mind is on another continent. I am real cash money, no counterfeits. I don't parking lot pimp, I just politic. Bet I get all in my mouth like Paladins. New Orleans represent her to the inner. Come from the city where the glitter don't glimmer. The sun don't shine and the guns don't sleep. Wake a nigga ass up like he got somewhere to be. Yeah, get it. And by the way, this is not a diss song either, people. We don't diss them, we dismiss them. Recognize or step aside. Yeah. We let the music talk. And by the way, what? It's 
Santana. It's Weezy. I'm back. Yeah. You dudes gotta stand in the mirror backwards because you can't face yourself. Asshole, dip set for life. Cash, Cash money. Yeah. What up? Young money skull game. Like what you hear? Want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.